Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Verse 35, reading to you out of the New King James Version Bible, follow me as I read. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had noticed had departed. But this man was sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was clothed and in his right mind. Now the people were afraid. Based on what I've read to you, I want to talk to you from this subject, a transformed mind part two. A transformed mind part two. Now, I know you have your Bibles. We're going to read Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 39. I know it may be a little lengthy, but it gives us a backdrop for what Jesus is speaking to us this morning. Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Then they sailed to the country of the Gardeans, which is opposite Galilee. And when he had stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. Notice this man, when Jesus stepped off the boat, a man met him that had no clothes. He was demon-possessed, and he lived in a tomb. Verse 28, but when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Verse 29, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out, and the man entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. Now remember the demons that were in the man asked permission from Jesus to go into the swine. Now, the swine, of course, was somebody's livestock, which people at that particular time, according to uh, history, uh, would actually take the swine, raise them up, and sell, you know, slaughter them and sell them, or sell them to other people, and that person would take them and slaughter and eat them. But they were somebody's livelihood. And then these particular swine that somebody had uh, thought was their livelihood took, ran into the lake, and they drowned. And now... Uh, verse 34, when those who fed them saw what had happened, remember the workers were there working with the swine? They went and they fled and they told in the city and the country the things that had happened. Verse 35, they went out to see what then they then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Notice they found the man who, the man met Jesus when he got off the boat. He was demon-possessed. He was naked, and he lived in a cave. Now they met, now this same man had an encounter with Jesus, and now the Bible says this in verse 35. Then they, 
when they came out to see him, they found the man for whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. Unfortunately, the people were afraid. Verse 36, they also who had seen it told them by what means he, he, excuse me, he who had been demon possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gardenians asked him to depart from them, for they uh, were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. What's well, a powerful testimony in and he went into his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Can you imagine? Because you know most people probably knew who he was. When he told this testimony, I imagine people like, wow, this man has been changed. He has been changed. And those how his change came because he had an encounter with Jesus. His mind was transformed or it was changed. And, of course, transformation is the process of changing from one form into another. When you see Luke identifies this man in Luke chapter 8 and verse 27, this man was, excuse me, a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. Now, remember, these demons were there a long time. This was not a few months, but they were there a long time, the way Luke describes it. And, of course, demon spirits in this particular text means evil spirits. Uh, But another definition that stands out to us are messengers who are inferior to Jesus Christ. And understand this, we talked about the messengers. Messengers give messages. They give information, and that, but this met the information they give doesn't line up with Scripture. It doesn't line up with the written and revealed Word of God. In fact, you will see, in, in, even in today's society, you will see people giving messages that, that don't line up with Scripture, that don't line up with the Word of God. If you're not careful, you, you will, listen, you can succumb to them. Now, understand this. I think I was talking to somebody earlier this week. Uh, one thing about it, you're going to hear messages. Nothing wrong with hearing messages, but never put that message above Jesus Christ. Never put the information that you receive above God's word. God's word should always have the final authority in our lives. Now, we're going to hear messages. I promise you're going to hear stuff all over the place. But it should never outweigh what God is saying or speaking into your life. Never should outweigh it. And so this man also wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but he lived in tombs. This man had received a lot of ongoing faults and messages from the enemy or demon spirits to the point that they had taken over his life. They had literally taken over his life. When we continue to listen to dark forces, it can cause our minds to be shackled. And bound with mental change, just as the man was in Luke 8 and 29. Notice Luke 8 and 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. But notice what Luke, what Luke tells us about. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. And when we look at that word shackled there, it means to chain, a chain used to fasten 
fasten a prisoner's hand and feet. Chains used to fasten a prisoner's hand and feet. Now, understand this. When you talk about shackled, the hands and the feet, when you talk about somebody being shackled, that especially their hands and their feet, that means they can't go where God wants them to go and they can't do what God wants them to do. They are shackled. Your hands do, but when you're shackled, you can't do what God wants you to do. When your feet are shackled, you can't go where God wants you to go. Now, the enemy will let you go anywhere he wants you to go, but God, there's certain places that God will have you to go, you'll be led to go, but because you're in shackles, you won't go because you're shackled. Now, you're walking around, listen, you walk around just as free as I am right now, but inside you are shackled by the enemy. And you have to be careful about being shackled by the enemy. Now, evidently, Luke had done some research on the man to understand better his mental state. See, the guards kept him under shackles, even the, uh, even though so he broke the bonds and the demons had literally driven him or carried him into the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of solitary, a lonely place, a desert. And at times our personal actions, decision making can pull us into a place so far out of the norm that it can be a lonely, secluded, and easily uh, play with our minds. It can be lonely, so secluded, and it can mess with your mind. A person can appear free on the outside, but inwardly our minds could be a battleground. A battleground for oppression, a battleground for depression, a battleground for anger and rage and even thoughts of suicide. Now, a battleground is someone is trying to get control of my mind. Someone is trying to get control over my mind. What's interesting about it, demons will try to force their way in getting control of your mind. Well, you have to let God control your mind. He's not going to force his way in controlling your mind. He said, either you're going to let me in or you're not. Revelation said it like this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, it's up to you whether or not you let me in or not. It's up to you whether or not you let me lead and guide you. It's up to you whether or not you follow the omniscient God or the all-knowing God. He'll lead you in all truth, but he won't force you in the truth. He'll present it to you, but God doesn't force you to... uh Take the truth that he offers you. We may, we may, we, excuse me, we may not be dealing with physical shackles, but we may have a, we can, if not careful, we can allow the enemy to pull us out of the way of God. Especially in areas where, you know, uh, excuse me, in areas where we may have had some type of God, we have allowed God to control us, but if you're not careful, you can let things slip in. You can let things like drinking slip in, manipulation slip in, using our bodies in ways that God has not commanded us to slip in. Listen, you can get, you can allow, you can allow the enemy to start controlling your life. And it's little things that he do. In fact, go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9. The book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9. It's little things that can start the, the enemy to controlling your life. Little things. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven. A little leaven leavens or formats or changes or converts or changes to another form the whole lump. I thought about this. I don't know about you, but I've lived long enough to buy into an apple that I found out wasn't as good as what I thought it was. 
the apple, and some, sometimes you can see the spots on the apple that are not good or on the orange that's not good, but sometimes it's hidden from you. And see, it can start out a little spot on an apple, but you come back a few days later and that spot has gotten bigger. And you'll find out that the apple is not any good. It has changed forms. <laughs> Woo! It has changed from a good apple to an apple you have to throw away. Or back in the old days, we cut off the bad part and ate the good part. But I'm just, I, I, I'm going to tell nobody about that. Hallelujah. Woo! Living live in our 20, we live in a 2020 society. Hallelujah. They don't, listen, if, it, if it's a little bit bad, they throw the whole thing away. That wasn't us back then, but we would cut off that bad part and go for what we knew. But I'm sorry, I grew up in the country. Don't tell nobody I grew up in the country like that, all right? Go to Song of Solomon 2 and 15. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15. The little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes for our vines have tender grapes notice it's little foxes that spoil pervert or destroy the vine so notice it's small things that can hinder you from doing the will of god it's small things that can add up to big things that's why it helps us to understand that our mind is a battleground and the enemy understands if we get our mind and, and influence uh and focus if he gets our mind, if he gets our influence, he gets our decision making, he gets our focus, and our, sooner or later our physical body will follow. That's why it serves us to know that uh, people just don't wake up and say that I'm not I'm going to leave my family. That thing has been festering over time. They don't wake up saying I'm going to leave my spouse. Normally that thing has been brewing over time. They don't say I'm going to leave my children and such like. That thing has been working on them for a period of time. See, the enemy has been, it will work on a person's mind. If it takes 20 years to win the battle, he will work on your mind 20 years just to win the battle. Some of us ain't got that kind of patience. Lord, if I ain't got it then, I just let it go. But the enemy will literally work on 20, it'll take 20 years to get your mind. To get you thinking like him. To get you act. I've seen people in even uh, as I came up in ministry. People that I used to admire for their spirituality. And all of a sudden, one day I, I, I turned around and came back and see them again. They were literally not in the faith anymore. Sad. Sad. People, I say, man, if I could pray like them, I will be all right. If I could be as spiritual as they were, I will be all right. But sadly, they have left the faith. They have backslid. They have gone back into the world. And talking about it's not as serious as what I thought it was. Oh, really? Really? Oh, I found out that God is serious about what he says. He is serious about what his word. God knows he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So that same same is true for people in the uh, with the church and in the church. It's news not a spring out of a bed one day and a person says, "I'm not going. I'm, I'm going to leave my church, my pastor, my sisters and brothers in Christ." Normally, the enemy has been downloading some ongoing message to the point that that person is no longer in their right mind. 
The problem is some people have, the problem sometimes people have is, is that they have been entertaining thoughts for a long period of time that are out of the will of God, but they never have corrected it. They've been entertaining thoughts for a number of years, number of days, a number of months, but they never have corrected it. Let me say, when you find out a thought don't line up with God's word, you got to confront that thought. You, listen, nobody knows what kind of thoughts you got going on in your mind, but God does. That's why he'll send a word like this, say, you got to challenge that thought right there. Because that thought did not come from me. That's why you got to cast down imagination and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Listen, let me tell you something. The enemy will have your mind so messed up, you'll, have, you'll think somebody like you. They don't even know who you are. You think, oh, they, they winked at me. Really, they had something in their eye. Why? Because you're trying to, look how y'all looking at me right now. Oh, people will mess with your mind. The enemy will mess with your mind if you're not careful. Have you thinking thoughts that are not even, listen, not even lining up with God. Not even lining up with God. But people will entertain those thoughts. Because impartially, they like to agree with those thoughts. Even though it's not correct. You got to be careful about agreeing with stuff that don't line up with Scripture. Now, you may not understand some things at first, but anytime you, you start walking with God, God going to challenge the way you think. And I appreciate that because if he didn't challenge the way I think, there's some stuff that I thought was right. Paul said it like this. Let me kind of put it to you in the way Paul said in Romans, I believe it's Romans chapter 7. He said, the things I thought were good, I had a problem with. And the problem, things I thought were bad, I had a problem with. And so basically what he was saying was, I had to get my mind renewed by the word of God. I had to have my mind renewed by the word of God. That's where Romans 12 kicks in. He says you got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, how to raise my children. God had to challenge me with that. God had to challenge me with how I treated my wife. God had to challenge me how to be a pastor. He's always challenging the way I think. I, I, I'm sad for the people who never think about what God is thinking about. I always thinking about what the world is thinking about, but what does God say about your life, about your situation, about your circumstance? What is God speaking in your life? What rainbow word that God has for you? Because when you know what God is thinking about you, forget what the world said. God said this about me. He says, I am the head and not the tail. He says, I'm going by his stripes, I am healed. He says, he threw it exceedingly, abundantly above anything I may ask or think. He says, I am his child. And when you're a child, people can say, oh, you ain't nothing but a low down. <laughs> that ain't what God said. And let me say this to you, and you could be right, because back in the day, I was low down. But God has changed me. And don't, listen, I'm not the only one in this sanctuary. I know you can't give them a high five, but look around. God has changed these people in this sanctuary. He changed them from a mm-mm-mm to a, a child of God. He changed them from a mm-mm-mm to a child of the Most High God. He changed them from a mm-mm-mm-mm to a... Oh, look how y'all looking. You ain't seen nobody been changed in here? Oh, Give them your testimony, sister. Give them your testimony, brother. Tell them where God, where you came from, the stuff you used to do, the, the place you used to slide into. Well, that wasn't me, Pastor. Oh, I beg to differ. I got witnesses. Somebody saw you when you were creeping in. Let me get out of that, cause 
Hallelujah. So now, no sister, no sister. Sometimes people may not agree with leadership, decisions that a leader make, but instead of supporting the leader, even though they don't agree with them, they do small things like show up late, do not help, give minimum effort, and so forth. Don't agree with leadership, but yet will not support leadership. I'll be honest with you. I don't have to agree with, uh, uh, will you live long enough? You want to agree with everything Jesus tells you to do. Because you know what Jesus tells you to do? Love your enemies. Uh, they are, listen, they are technically your enemy. And God say, love them. And then somebody do you wrong, he don't say take a baseball bat and get them back. You know what he say? Pray for them that despitefully use you. Then he messed up and said, they do you harm. He said, don't render evil for evil. I said, well, God, I, I can't get them back. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. You know what? I, I, see, only, only thing wrong with vengeance, my brother, is this. I ain't got no front row. Because I want to see when God get them back. I want to be sitting right there. I want to see. I want to see God. Oh, yeah, that's a good one right there. Get them good, God. Get them good. They had no business treating me like that. Because you know I'm your favorite child. <laughs> But don't happen like that. All right. Let's move on. Hallelujah. All right. See, we go. They were not sound in their, this person was not sound in the way they thought. They were not stable. They didn't have any self, this man didn't have no, he was not stable. He didn't have no self-control. He was not humble. He was not ready to curb ungodly passions. So you can tell, in other words, he was little. Some times people get high-minded. I don't know if y'all had something back when I grew up, but uh, uh, my mom used to tell me this. You're getting too big for your britches. Too big for your britches. What that mean? Oh, she knew exactly what it meant, and I learned a little bit later what it mean. Hallelujah. Now, the demons recognize the power of God. Go to Luke 8, 28. Luke 8, I want to read that to you again to get back to where we're going at. He says this. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Let me say this to you. When the demons saw, they could probably see and understand, and they discovered and they discerned that it was Jesus. They fell down before him with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment or harass me or distress me or cause me pain. When the enemy, let me tell you something. One thing the enemy recognizes is when he's about to lose control. One thing that when I saw this text, I saw the enemy knew he had to give control up. And any time the word of God is being revealed to you and you're taking heed to the word, the enemy says, I'm losing control of this person right here. I'm losing control of what they think, the way they talk, and the way they act. Listen, it used to be a time I could tell them anything and they would just jump off and do it. But now I see the word working in them. And now that the word is working in them, they don't move the way I want them to anymore. They don't think the way I want them to anymore. They don't act the way I want them to anymore. It was a, see, the demons recognize I'm finna lose control of this man right here. I am finna lose control over this man right here. And I thought about this from this standpoint. How many of us have been in this situation? Oh, thank you, Lord. I hear you, Lord. Two things that I saw in this text. One thing I want to explain to you briefly is this. 
Sometimes you don't even know it, but the demons are losing control over your life. They have lost control. They used to make you do certain things like stay away from church, stop praying, stop giving and so forth. But you have allowed the all-knowing God to be your guide. Oh, God, I appreciate that. And sometimes we don't even know that demon spirits are leaving our lives. The influence, the thing that used to talk to us in the middle of the night, stop talking all of a sudden. You wouldn't realize it stopped talking to you. Why? Because God has, listen, put the devil on notice. They recognize Jesus is rising up in your life. Jesus becoming stronger in your life. Jesus becoming greater in your life. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You recognize that Jesus is getting stronger in your life. Oh, they recognize I got to give this control up. I, I said, I had him running around the city naked, listen, living in tombs and with no clothes on. But yet, I got to give this up. I got to give up the fact that I used to cause her to cuss, cuss everybody out. I got to give up the fact that I used to cause her to get angry at the drop of a hat. I, I caused her, listen, I got to give up the fact that I used to cause him to do this, that, and the other. I got to give it up. Woo, somebody said, he got to give it up. Don't tell somebody else, don't, don't, don't touch him, but say, he got to give it up. Oh, he got to give it up. Lord, no longer does the enemy have control over our life because he recognizes Jesus. He recognizes Jesus in our life. Woo, you could be walking in your job, but they recognize Jesus. You can be at the school, but they recognize Jesus. They recognize him. But we see the state of this mind that this man was in according to this particular text, Luke 8, 28, 29. You can say the level of demonic influence in his life had attempted to strip him of his identity and even ability to control themselves. Oh, demons were talking and not the man. Notice that he says, uh, uh, notice the conversation they had in Luke 8. Oh, yeah, Luke 8 and 31. And they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Notice the man couldn't even talk because the demons had control. They had control. They had control. And you've got to understand that control is something that demon spirits try to force themselves into doing. They want to force themselves to have control. But you got to be careful that you don't entertain evil company. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 33. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. Or in other words, evil companionship corrupts good habits. We certainly want to want our, we don't want our testimony to be that the company we're keeping is changing our habits to the point that we're becoming opposite of Christian behavior. The company that we keep uh, 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 the demon spirits that we could be entertaining as taking over the way we think and the way we talk and brings about certain ungodly behavior. That's why we serve an all-knowing God, all-powerful, who is not afraid of demons, saying to any of his followers. That's why we read in Romans, excuse me, in Luke 8 and 30. He said, what is your name? What is your authority? What is your character? What is your interest? What's your pleasure? You know what was, I thought, always found this interesting in this text is this. 
one thing about this conversation, Jesus already knew his name. He already knew his name. It was, he did, this conversation was not on, well, for the benefit of Jesus. This conversation was for the benefit of us. We have, to, we need to know what we're dealing with. Whether it's good or not so good. Whether it's bad or not so bad. The name usually express the nature, character, even the authority of that person in that particular day. And that's why we need to know the name. Notice what he said in verse 30. And he said, Legion. Because many demons had entered in. Demons means a body of soldiers. A body of soldiers. When we think of soldiers, we think uh, in terms of an army, armed and ready to overtake a territory. Remember, they had taken over this man's life. And there were many of them there, the Bible says. Legion, for we are many, a body of soldiers. But the Think about the evil presence and force and these demon spirits when they approach the presence of Jesus. The scripture says they began to beg Jesus that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Boy, that's powerful right there. Demon spirits said, hey, don't, don't tell us to go into the abyss. Don't tell us to go into the place of Hades, the bottomless pit. Yeah, that's, we know we're going to go there. And you know something about Jesus? You don't see Jesus argue with the demons, do you? You would have said, well, you know what? Uh, I don't know if I want to go or not, devil. Demon said, you know what? Hey, can we go over here instead of over there? Can we, listen, can we go over there? Listen, I, no, G didn't raise his voice. He said, hey! He didn't do nothing like that. He just said, listen, very simply, he put it to him the way that it was. No, but the evil spirits were seeking a place to dwell. They were seeking a place to dwell. Go with me to First Peter 5 and 8. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. They wanted somewhere to dwell at. Demon spirits are looking for a place to dwell. First Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So be sober, be watchful, be calm, and be collected in spirit. Be vigilant, give strict attention to because your adversary, who's your adversary? The devil, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. As Christians, I believe that we can get too comfortable and too at ease with things that don't line up with God's word. I think that one of the strategies of the enemy to get us at ease with the fact that the adversary is walking around causing havoc. A lot of times you got to be careful that you don't start getting upset with people for stuff that demons are doing. You get mad with people, but really it's the demons that's causing the havoc. And so therefore, when we recognize the demons, we need to bind them devils up in the name of Jesus, and we need to cast them out. And sometimes, oh, well, let me leave that alone. But sometimes you, got, you cannot just be getting upset with people when the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, it ain't the person. It's that spirit behind the person. At times we can put ourselves in harm's way of the adversary because we fail to recognize he is a roaring lion who is seeking someone to devour. The enemy can be subtle and tight to the point that he can hide for years through a habit or routine that is ungodly and lead people to becoming more, excuse me, lead the devil becoming more influential in how a person thinks, talks, and acts. Let me give you an example. Certain things such as superstitions that bring about, quote, unquote, good luck or good fortune. 
when we as believers operate, we walk by faith and we not by sight. Oh, we're stuck on bringing me good luck or good fortune. Oh, no, it ain't no, that God ain't in that. Good luck. Man, don't tell me good luck. Good luck. Good what? Good, good, Lucifer. No, ain't no good loot. Lu- I'm sorry. Go, good luck. No good Lucifer. No good fortune. And we don't need to be saying that as Christians. As Christians, we depend on the Almighty God for our good fortune. Now, y'all follow me? I'm talking about wealth, good, good health, plenty of wealth, and so forth. We're depending on God. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't depend on no such thing as luck. Where you find luck in the Bible? Where you find it at? Things that we can do can be superstitious. We do it out of habit or routine or because somebody told us, oh, you sometimes you, listen, sometimes you got to bind that devil up. Now we go on the root worker, talking about you, I'm going to work, work, work these roots out of my family and all that kind of stuff like that. Now you got to get the devil and cast him out. You got to bind them up and say, get out of my family. Get out of my house in the name of Jesus. One of the reasons God saved you is to break those generational curses over your life. Because God knows, amen, where it came from, but he also knows how to get it out of your life. He knows how to get it out of your life. God knows how to do that. Oh, God, thank you so much for doing it, God. Now, let's look back at Luke 8, 32 and 33. Even demons know they can't operate without God's permission. They desire permission to enter into the herd of swine. That's why you see in the latter part, they, so they begged him that he would permit them to enter, enter them or the swine. But notice what the latter part of what Luke tells us. He permitted them. That's powerful right there. He permitted them. He permitted them to go into the swine. At times we may forget that God, excuse me, while our all-knowing, our God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present, he still may grant permission for demons and same and allow them to go in and out of certain places. Why does bad things happen to good people? Let me say this to you. Jesus may allow it. He may allow it. I didn't get no amens right there, but that's okay. It still happened anyway. You understand that sometimes things ain't always going to go your way. The good thing we got with God is all things are working together for our good. Oh, you just keep on following Jesus. Keep on following that all-knowing God. You know, it's going to eventually work out for your good. It may take some time, but it's going to work out for your good. He's going. He allows it to happen. He allows it to happen. He didn't bring the evil to the place, but he might grant permission. And when this happened, remember the grace of God and that he will not allow us to take on more than we can bear. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. I want to show it to you in the scriptures. Listen, listen, you got to live long enough to understand that sometimes God going to allow some stuff to happen. Well, Pastor, why did this bad thing happen to this certain group of people? I mean, one thing you will never understand is the mind of God. God does things with purpose behind it. He allows things to happen with purpose. 1 Corinthians 10 to 13. No temptation has overtaken you such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 
Sometimes we got to make up in our mind when we see the way of escape, are we taking it? Are we saying, no, I don't want to go that route? No, when God gives you the way of escape, he means for you to take that escape plan. But he won't force you to, though. He definitely won't force you to. Now, ultimate conversation that, I want you to look at another conversation that was happening. Go to Job chapter 1. The book of Job chapter 1. Hallelujah. Job chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? Job chapter 1, verse 8 through 12. There is none like him on the earth, a blameless man, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Now, this man was pretty good in my opinion. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does not, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and have increased the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Listen, Job was not even in the conversation, but that conversation affected Job. Understand there's some conversation that will go on that, listen, we have nothing to do with, and God will allow that conversation to go on. That's why you got to trust God no matter what happens in that conversation. Let me say this to you. There are conversations going on around this country right now about you, but without you. But you got to depend on God's protection in that situation. You got to depend on God's protection. Because there's some stuff out there that if God don't protect us from, man ain't going to protect us from it. You got to depend on the all-knowing, all-powerful God to do that. That's why we can't allow people, places, organization, career desires, family, friends, relationships, and such, such like pull us away from God's path for our lives. We have to stay our mind on Jesus. Go to Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Let me tell you something. You got to keep your mind on the scriptures. You keep your mind on the scriptures. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You got to stay your mind. Support or focus or rest or lean your mind and trust in the almighty God. Now, as part of our trust in the scriptures, we learn we learn to lean on the direction of our omniscient God who will continue to lead us into all truth for our lives will keep us during challenging and not so challenging times. You got to learn how to depend on Jesus. Let's go back to Luke 8 and 33. Luke 8 and 33. I want to read that to you to catch us back into where we are. Then the demons went out of a man and entered the swine and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. Look at how that impacted the, the livestock of that particular day. Not only did it impact, it affect somebody's livelihood as well. Because some people took those things and they were taking the swine and they were selling or living off of them. Now, even some people, when they read scripture like that, uh, they don't even consume pork because they read something like that. Whether you choose to eat pork or not, that's up to you. They have however the Lord leads you. 
But understand this, the tremendous impact this made on these individuals in this text. We get to see how this man changed in today's text. Now, we see what happened because the, the, uh, the demons have been cast out. They went into the swine. The swine have, have went and drowned in the sea or into the water. And now the, the people that were keeping the swine had went and told the people in the city and the country, now people have come down to see what was happening. And when they got down, we pick up verse 35. Verse 35 reads as follows. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. Now, that's part of the scripture, but understand this. This man was in his right mind. Right mind. Right mind means this. He was sound. That means before that, his mind was not sound. He was stable. Before that, he was unstable. He had self-control. Before that, demons controlled him. Remember this. He was a humble man now. He, he had, and I like the definition, curbing ungodly passions. He was not high-minded. He was not. And some of us can be real honest and boldly say, can't nobody do us like Jesus. Can you see what happened to this man? This man was running around the, the, the particular area, naked, lived in tombs, and he was demon-possessed. Jesus, he had an encounter with Jesus, and now this man was in his right mind. He was sound. He was stable. He had self-control, humility. He curbed ungodly compassion. He was not high-minded. He was not out of control that even man and shackles could no longer hold or transform him to the point that he is, he, now he's stable. He is humble and he has self-control. In my opinion, he was delivered to the point that he wanted to follow Jesus. Sometimes people can't follow Jesus because they've never been delivered. Notice what happened in verse, I'm going to go back and read a little bit further. Uh, Verse 38, now the man for whom the demons had departed bade him that he might be with him. He wanted to follow Jesus. See, when people get delivered and they're in the right mind, they want to follow Jesus. They say, you know what? Listen, I follow everybody else. Why can't I might as well follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I might as well follow the El Shaddai. I might as well follow the one who got me out of this mess I got myself into. Listen, you know when people are truly delivered because they want to follow Jesus. Oh, you ain't got to beg nobody to follow Jesus. When they've truly been delivered, you ain't got to beg them to pray. You ain't got, listen, they may have to learn how to pray, but you ain't got to beg them to pray. Listen, you ain't got to beg them to praise and worship God. They want to praise and worship God. You may have to teach them how to clap. You may have to teach them how to turn in victory. You may have to teach them how to sing the songs of Zion, but they want to do it. Why? Because they've been delivered. I challenge you, if you don't want to follow Jesus, if you don't want to pray, if you don't want to study scripture, I mean, you go a whole week and you, you haven't, haven't thought about Jesus one time. I mean, a whole week and you have not prayed to him one time? And you talking about you delivered? This man got delivered and guess what he wanted to do? He wanted to follow Jesus. 
Listen, I, I, I don't know. He, he, I, I know his walk wasn't perfect. I know his walk wasn't what people thought it would be. And sometimes when you get delivered, people may think you should be certain ways. But listen, I just want to follow Jesus. I just want to follow Jesus. Yeah, I, ne- I may not look like you. I may not can do like you. But I just want to follow Jesus. I, listen, I may not can talk and act and think like you, but give me time. I'm just going to follow Jesus. And the way I follow him may not look like the way you follow him, but as long as we both get to Atlanta, whether you go 75, I go 20, or you go 85, as long as we get to Atlanta, we're going to get to our destination. Are y'all following me here? Listen, sometimes we, listen, we may not follow him alike, but as long as we make it into heaven, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. We got to follow Jesus. Let me, oh God, I got a few more points I want to make. I'm about to close. Our deliverance may not happen like the man, but God is still able and willing to deliver a person who wants to be free however long it takes. That's why it's important that we keep praying. That's why it's important that we keep studying. That's why we, it's important we keep giving. That's why it's important that we keep coming to receive knowledge and understanding. That's why it's important that we realize that Jesus is a healer, that he is a deliverer, that he amen, prospers us, and he protects us because we can't take our deliverance for granted because i've learned this over the years and i've talked about this earlier yeah just because you delivered today don't mean you'll be delivered tomorrow you got to keep following him and don't be afraid to repent and ask god to forgive you it's a process that and if you keep doing this your mind gonna be transformed you're gonna begin to think you're going to begin to talk, and you're going to begin to act more like Jesus. And you'll notice two major things happen in this atmosphere. The man was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and the man was clothed in his right mind. He was he remained and resided at the feet of Jesus. He was clothed. He was dressed. He was covered and in his right mind. And when he was... He was motivated to remain and be a witness for others to the saving power of Jesus Christ. Luke records. Now, remember this. Let me say this in this closing point. Historians believe that the book of Luke was written approximately 40 years after this event took place. Whether it was 40 years or more or less, it was after that because Luke records that this man went into the region, in the country that he was in. And I want you to notice what happened in verse 40. Excuse me, 39. Return to your own house. This this instruction that Jesus gave him. Now, let me say this to you. Some people get instructions, they don't carry it out. Thank y'all for the two amens right there. Some people get instructions, they don't carry it out. But notice what just happened to this man here. He got some instructions from Jesus. His instructions was, return to your own house, Tell what great things God has done for you. Notice, his mind was transformed. But notice what Luke says he, the man did. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Can you see this man with a transformed mind went out and told people about the goodness of Jesus? He went from unstable faith to st- stability and faith. Stability and confidence in God's words and his ways. See, transformation takes place in, in, in 
when we tell other people about Jesus, it transforms them as well as transforms us. I imagine it changed him and it helped him to change others as well. Why? Because he had a transformed mind. He was telling people about the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the miracle-working Jesus. And when he did it, you know where he did it from? He did it from a right mind. A right mind. You see, this man had a right mind. But I want you to notice what it looks like biblically to have a right mind. Two things you see. I'm going to close with this. You want to follow Jesus. And two, you want to tell others about him. Y'all see that? I mean, I mean, listen. His right mind. A right mind just will sit down and do nothing. A right mind says this. I'm go, I want to follow you, Jesus. When, when Jesus gave him the instructions, he said, I'm going to tell others about what Jesus has done for me. Two things you see. A right mind will cause a person to want to follow Jesus. And two, tell others about him. A transformed mind. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.